Hello, and welcome to Songwriters Spotlight, the Western Mass Songwriters Collaborative Series. I'm Dr. Dan, your host of the show, where we feature Western Mass songwriters who perform their original songs and talk about the art of songwriting. Stay tuned to explore more about music and the tunesmithing that creates it. Our guest on this episode is Bob Chabot, a prolific longtime songwriter. His songs are personal, topical, and sometimes amusing. He'll perform a selection of his songs and tell the story of his songwriting career. This is, uh, this is the oldest song that I wrote that I still play. This is the oldest song that I still play that I wrote. It's called On My Way. told my lady it was time to be on my way Midnight wind was calling out my name Miles between us now of empty open highway And I know I will never be the same Be the same but I can't stop now, I'm on my way I'm not sure where I'm going to I don't have much to say No, I can't talk now, I'm on my way Maybe we'll meet up again one day Saw an old friend from the hometown yesterday Said you should come around more see the guys Made a plan for Friday Though I knew I'd slip away And I wondered if he saw it in my eyes In my eyes that I can't stop now, I'm on my way I'm not sure where I'm going to I don't have much to say to you I can't talk now, I'm on my way Maybe you'll catch up with me one day at the airport so hard to watch her go 3,000 miles between us for a while memories and phone calls will have to do for now but I sure am gonna miss that woman's smile I'll miss her smile but I can't stop now, I'm on my way Not sure where I'm headed to 
don't have much to say No, I can't talk now I'm on my way And I know that I will see her again One day So this is a song, I, I guess I'll say more about this. There's a story behind this song too, but uh, up front, um, this is a song that I wrote in 2003. Uh, I believe I began this song on the, the morning, wee morning hours of October 17th, 2003. And uh, the song started out uh, as, as moaning and wailing because I was in pain because the Boston Red Sox had just lost game seven of the American League Championship Series to the evil empire and, uh, and, and it had looked they got so close they had gotten so close and uh, they took a three run lead into the eighth inning and uh, uh, Pedro Martinez had uh, pitched seven beautiful innings. I believe it was four to one when they started the eighth. And uh, and uh, he, he was up, I think, over a hundred pitches in the pitch count, which was ten pitches beyond where he, you know where he usually was pitching. And uh, and and so we were just waiting for the you know the start of the eighth inning for for you know Timlin or Embry, I think, to come out. And, and there it was, and uh, Pedro was on the mound again. I was like, whoa. Uh, Grady Little was the uh, interim manager at that point. He replaced, I forget who, Don, Don somebody, Don, uh, I forget who he replaced, a footnote. But Grady, uh, <laughs> it's now another footnote in Red Sox history. Um, but uh, this is a song about what happened. It's called Too Long on the Mound. Oh, Grady, oh, Grady, now look what you've done. Into the eighth, up by three runs. Ah, but when it was over and the dust settled down, left Pedro out there to die on the mound. Oh Grady, oh Grady, how could you go so wrong? Five outs away and your bullpen was strong and it's a manager's duty to make a difficult call. When a superstar pitcher should give up the ball if there's a God sitting up there in heaven, he will not let you in till you atone for game seven. Cause all over Boston, a low dying sound 
Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Oh, Grady, oh, Grady, it's been 17 years since the Sox brought us fans. Any World Series cheers, and it won't be no different this time around. Cause you've left Pedro out there to die on the mound. Oh Grady, oh Grady, it was no curse this time. Unless it's a curse that takes away a man's mind. Cause your show sure went missing in the bottom of the eighth. Leaving all us believers to question our faith. Cause all of us watching, we knew what to do. Embry was ready, and Timlin was too. And from the Berkshires to Boston came a low dying sound. Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Oh, Grady. Oh, Grady, you'll not be back next year. When they put you on that Greyhound, I'll not shed a tear. I'll just pick myself up and go find me a reason to go through it all again in the next season. Cause all of us watching, we knew what to do. Embry was ready and Williamson too. From the Berkshires to Boston came a low dying sound. Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Grady left Pedro too long on the mound. Grady, why did you leave Pedro so long on the mound? Did you see Mrs. Johnson? Did you see? Were you watching when in protest a black man took a knee? Did you let the great deceiver tell you what your thoughts should be? Did you see Mrs. Johnson? Did you see? Johnson, were you there when those kids died in their classrooms? Did you send your thoughts and prayers? Did you talk about amendments as the town lay in despair? Were you there, Mrs. Johnson? Were you there?
Did you know, Mrs. Johnson, did you know The earth is getting warmer, it's now begun to show And our children and grandchildren will have no place else to go Did you know, Mrs. Johnson, did you know Did you hear, Mrs. Johnson, did you hear? Two kids died on the border, separated and in fear. Will you ever think about them? Is that not your kind of tear? Did you hear, Mrs. Johnson, did you hear? Did you fall, Mrs. Johnson, did you fall? Will you get down on your knees and beg forgiveness for it all? Did you ever think to ask yourself, would Jesus build a wall? Did you fall, Mrs. Johnson, did you fall? All right, so this is a song. Songs, uh, you know, this is a song that was inspired by my sister, who just happens to be in the cloister. Uh, my oldest sister, Luann, uh, left, left for the cloister when I was 13 years old. probably has something to do with my agnosticism. And every so often she gets frustrated with my agnosticism. And it's such that we, uh, for 10 years, went without talking. I, I said, we're not going to talk about religion. If you want to keep seeing me, we will, cannot talk about religion. And that frustrated her. But I guess she's stuck there in the cloister, so she chose to, you know, uh, keep seeing me. And so we didn't talk about religion. Every time she tried, I would say, you yeah. know, so, but then things got better, and I started, eh, maybe we can talk about religion again, but that was a bad mistake. And then she started to try and convert me, and this really reached a fever pitch when uh, my parents died, and I think Luann felt solely responsible for my soul, solely responsible. And uh, she was really on me. And uh, so I started to, this song started out as a letter, uh, and then it turned into a song. And when it first turned into a song, it was a dirge. It was a real dirge. I was, uh, and uh, I felt like I had to get it out, but I couldn't keep, keep on with this dirge. So, um, and so.
some point. I, I, my wife takes credit for this. She says it was her idea. But um, at some point, I started to think, what would Fountains of Wayne do? And I don't know how many of you know Fountains of Wayne, but uh, Chris Colling, Collingswood and Adam Schlesinger, who I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he died this year of COVID. Sad, sad loss, but great songwriters. And uh, uh, this is what came out. it again, right? Okay. Sister Luann, a moment if you can. I have not come to pray. There are things I'd like to say to you, and I've known you since I was crowned a little prince. We go way back to the start. Seems a shame we've grown apart, Sister Luann. Sister Luann, ever since the world began, we have argued and we fought for the right to think our thoughts. And lately you've come to think that my soul is on the brink. But I just found a different way. I'm not so sure there's more to say about it. Sister Luann, all you think about is heaven I'd be inclined to say it's more a state of mind And for what it's worth I think it happens here on earth without a plan Sister Luann Sister Luann, I am a righteous Springsteen fan. Now what would be the use if all I talked about was Bruce? Cause when you talk about the Lord, I must confess I get so bored. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we really must do something. Sister Luann, I don't think about your heaven All my rebirth will likely happen here on earth And though I don't pray I'm on my knees most every day Like any man Sister Luann Sister Luann, like that song by Steely Dan. Sometimes I say a prayer in case somebody's there. And though I know, of course, there may be a higher force. 
force I resist your definition Don't send the inquisition for me Sister Luann I could never reach your heaven And I may not pray But I feel gratitude each day For what it's worth I search for heaven here on earth best I can Sister Luann Sister Luann So this is, so what were you doing in April 2020? Uh, that's a, this is what I was doing. This is a song called April 2020. with dishes. I'm drinking wine from a coffee mug. Trying to hide myself away from this coronavirus bug. So I went and called my little sister. She's as happy as a clam. She says I'm staying home and walking dogs, just being who I am. She says I kind of like the way the world has slowed down to a crawl. She's not worrying on the future, tells me that won't help at all. Unemployment pays the bills, she says. She sounds a little smug. If I can now just keep ahead of this coronavirus bug. Another bungle in the White House It's really quite a shame Can't find no way to profit Can't find no one to blame And the mob is getting ugly Screaming about their rights Buying guns and toilet paper Getting ready for a fight The baby man falls down again He's such a feckless thug And he's overmatched again By this coronavirus bug. And the kids are in the city Trying to make the best of things Getting used to all the changes The good pandemic brings we can't have them home for dinner, but we see them on the screen. Yeah, Zoom is like hugging in the age of quarantine. I went to find my baby, maybe have a little tug. She said, you stay away from me, your coronavirus bug. 
So I crawled off to the grocers, trying to fill up my cart, trying to be so conscientious, trying to stay six feet apart. When I made it to the checkout, I was feeling pretty pleased. She was bagging up my groceries when she turned to me and sneezed. She looked all kinds of sorry, gave a little shrug. Now I'm waiting on the wrath of this coronavirus Na-na-na All right, so, okay, uh, here we go. This is uh, a song called uh, Snow is Falling. Uh, I wrote this in 2017 also. Snow is falling, falling hard Lays a blanket of winter quiet on the yard And me, I'm watching the nighttime sky Thinking on the way life's gone and reasons why Snow is falling in the nighttime sky. I remember way back when we'd give our hearts away and steal them back again. We're so young then, so naive The things we wished for and the dreams we dared believe I remember every dream So many choices fall before you on the path Linger for a moment and then they're gone, so gone And every promise that you make leads you further on some people lose your way you try and shake yourself awake to face the day you run for cover make repair you find a lover 
and you take her to the fair you find a lover you make your way so many faces walk beside you on the path linger for a moment then they're gone, so gone And those you managed to hold on to Lead you further on They lead you further on Kids are grown now, left the nest. They still come back to keep on track and to get some rest. And you're my lover, you stuck around. It's getting late now, and the rides are closing down. Snow is falling, falling down. Lays a blanket of winter quiet on the town. Tomorrow morning, there's work to do. But tonight, there's just this snow and me and you. Snow is falling Me and you That was some great music. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it and I know everyone else will too. Thank you. Oh. So, how did you launch this uh, effort to, to write such great songs? Uh, I was in college uh, when I decided to buy a guitar. Uh, I had been an athlete and I really had to let go of that. Um, and I had to find something else to do. And, uh, and I uh, thought, I should buy a guitar, so uh, so I did. I, I my older sister helped me out. She was a guitar player, and we went to the music store and uh, and I got a Martin Sigma uh, six-string guitar, and uh, and I proceeded to learn how to play chords. and I and I wanted to write. I I, I loved music. I, I think that uh, you know the song is is. Uh, uh, the perfect art form, really, uh, for me. Um, you know, I like others, but the, the, give me a three-minute song, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I thought maybe I could do that. You know, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe I could do that. I I, I wrote well, and um, and and I I had listened to enough music to to I think begin to know what what I liked about it, and 
and what I liked about the songs that I loved. And um, so I, I thought, you know, maybe I could do that. And uh, so, of course, when you buy a guitar, you have to learn how to play it before you can start writing songs. So, um, you know, but learning other people's songs is, is a step towards, um, you know, in learning chord structures and, learning, you know, how, how people do things. And um, so it took me about a year, I think, before I could start writing. But I started writing. I would say about, uh, you know, I was a, a junior in college, so I, I was uh, 20 years old. And, uh, and I think I wrote, uh, I started writing in about 1982. Uh, and I wrote a lot of bad songs, you, you know, because that's what you do, uh, you know, as you're trying. You know, I don't, I don't know anybody that says they started out writing good songs. Um, I wrote a lot of bad songs, but I wrote a lot. And, um, and they, you know, even my bad songs, there would be little things that I liked about them. And, uh, and, uh, in 1985, uh, I wrote a good song. I, I thought it was a good song. And I thought, you know, that was the first time I think well, I could really do this. Um, I can really do this. And it was very, made me very happy. Um, and that was the song On My Way, which I, I played. Um, and I think that's held up. I, I, I like that song. And, and, and so. Um, you know, it inspired me to keep keep at it because I, you know, two years of bad songs. <laughs> you, you start to wonder. I don't know. Maybe I should, you know, play tennis. But um, anyway, that's where it started. So, what, what inspired that song? I was that was a song about leaving home. Um, that was a, a part, a, a point in my life where I was, uh, I was in graduate school and I was getting ready to enter the world, and um, I had ended a long relationship. And, uh, and my high school friends, you know, were wanting me to come around and see them, and it wasn't really happening for me anymore. And, uh, and I had this good, good friend who I had just driven to the airport. She was going off to start her life, and, uh, and it just, um, I was on my way, you know, I was on my way. So mm -hmm. uh, that, I came out, and it was a very quick thing. It was a flash. They don't all happen like that. Most don't happen like that, but that... That really all came about very quickly, and I was very happy. Uh, that was a quick write. That was a quick write. Oh. I think that was like a 45-minute write. You know, I mean, you go back and play around with the words a little mm -hmm. bit, but uh, it was mostly there. So how many songs do you have, would you say? I would say 100, 120, I don't know, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, that I still play for people? 30 or 40, maybe, mm -hmm. that I really love, 15. <laughs> uh. Well, we, we heard uh, some real gems here. And so, um, and so why, what is your, you know, your uh, motive for dedicating this much time and energy to, to writing songs for, for this long? You didn't burn out, you just keep at it. There were different phases of songwriting, uh, you know, for in those early years I was writing, I was trying to get better at it, and, uh, and then I thought maybe I could do, you know, the writing and the performing and the singing were, were three different things, and um, I think I'm a better writer than I am a singer or a guitar player, but um, I had to learn to get better at those things because no one else was singing my songs. 
and um, so I kept trying to get better at it. And um, yeah, you know, there was a while when I started to play out places, and um, you know how that goes too. You're so nervous at first, and you know you get up there, and um, um, I don't know. There was always something. I, I, then I then I thought when I had you know five or six songs that were, were good enough, I thought maybe I could you know make a little tape for myself and and get that out there and get jobs that way. So I started recording. I got a little four track uh, Yamaha cassette recording machine, and I made my first tape, and I started sending it to different places, and uh, I played some bars and coffee houses, and. Um, and I moved down to the New York area, um, Stamford, Connecticut. My my wife well, was not my wife then, but we were together, and uh, we both uh, graduated from different graduate schools at the same time. And uh, my plan was to go to Boston, and I thought she was on board with that too. But uh, called me one night to tell me she just got a job in New York. <laughs> what? <laughs> and um, so. I went down there. I, Stamford, Connecticut was as close as I could get to New York City because I was not a city boy. Um, so, um, but, but it was close enough to New York City that I was able to uh, connect with that scene. And so, uh, you know, different things would happen while, while I was trying to get this tape out and I was trying to uh, meet people and network. Uh, there was this uh, ad, I think, in the Village Voice, the the fast folk mu music, ma musical magazine was having a concert at the bottom line in New York City. And, uh, and I knew of fast folk because I had been in Cambridge and Somerville and I would go to the Harvard Coop and that's where I found my folk music and they would carry the fast folk uh, albums, which at that time uh, just really begun uh, in the early 80s. And, um, and it was a, a, an album and a magazine that would accompany it. So they would come in these plastic bags with the record inside and sleeve and, and a magazine. That were and they were documenting the New York folk scene. Um, and so I called this number. We didn't have internet. You know, I called this number. This was 1987 or 88 or something. And, uh, and somebody answered and, <laughs> and I said, you know, I just saw this ad in, in the Village Voice where uh, you're having this concert, and I had this fantasy that somehow I could, I could get get in on that. I can, uh, you know, uh, you know, play with you guys. And uh, the person who answered the phone was Richard Meyer, who was the editor of Fast Folk, and he said, "Well, unfortunately, that that is just a fantasy, but <laughs> you know, these are established people who have been playing a long time." But he talked to me, and. Um, you know, he invited me to volunteer for Fast Folk, and so I said, sure. And um, a few months later, he uh, invited me to uh, Jack Hardy's uh, uh, songwriter meetings, which I later learned were called the Songwriters Exchange. And uh, I knew who Jack was because I had opened up for him, um, and I, I was impressed with his music. And he'd given me an album. He was very nice to me, and uh, and so when Richard invited me, I said, you know, I, I can just show up. That's okay. he said, yeah, it's an open meeting. So I did. I went, and um, and that just started a period of uh, real growth as a songwriter um, because those meetings were um, the people in the, in that room um, were 
Jack and Richard. Um, but, you know, Frank Tedesso was there, who was just a marvelous songwriter. And Richard Schindel was there uh, at the time. John Gorker would stop in once in a while. And, uh, you know, their alumni had been Suzanne Vega and Sean Colvin, and I, I missed that period. But, um, but the people that were in the room, um, I mean, you know, you, you were, so you would sit, so, so we would start with, uh, you, you know, and show up around 6.30 or so, and, and Jack would be making pasta. You know, he, he, he made great pasta. I learned how to make pasta then. I learned how to make sausage. This is beyond what I learned as a songwriter. Um, and he would make pasta for 15 people or whoever would show up, and people would bring wine, and we'd gather around and we'd eat pasta. And then when we would clean up, and then... Um, Okay, it's time for the songs, and and you you, the goal was to bring a new song or part of a song every week, and uh, and uh, and we would just go around the circle, and uh, and and you'd play what you had, and you would listen to what other people had. These masters, you know, <laughs> songwriting, and uh, and and you would get critiqued, you'd get feedback, and um, sometimes gentle, sometimes not so gentle. And, uh, and you, but you would listen to these. I mean, you would get real feedback from real songwriters, you know, and they knew what they were talking about. So you, you had to listen, you, you know, and it would make you better, and uh, it made me better, and it made my songs better. And um, and then you would get to listen to these things that they were working on and how their songwriting evolved, and uh, it was just very magical and, uh, and special. And I, I was in that area for about four, four and a half years uh, that I went uh, to that. And so that happened, and that was hard to leave. Uh, when I left that area, we came here. Um, that was a very hard thing to give up. Uh, it was very special to have been a part of it. So, so that, that got me to the next phase. And um, I don't know, there was always something like that that would happen that would keep it going. Um, I was a little hard coming out here. I didn't have places to play anymore, you know, and so I would write in my basement and <laughs> work on recording um, for a while. And then I found uh, Fire and Water was the first place that I, I remember in, in uh, Northampton, there was a little star drucker, had that little club, Fire and Water, mm -hmm. a cafe, and I, I played there. I started playing there. And, uh, but I didn't really meet a, a community uh, until I went to Luthiers, and uh, that was later. Um, and that's a nice community. I hooked up, but there was a, a songwriter group that was uh, running around here for a while. Eric Phelps ran it. Um, I found on meetup.com. Um, so that, getting into that group again, getting into that process, that's the, I think, uh, when I was in a group and, and, and had people to bounce things off of, and a, a, you know, some kind of motivation to write every week, you know, that, that really helped me. Um, I wrote a lot of the songs that you know now in, in that three-year period that I was in that group. Sister Luann and Snow is Falling and uh, Raise Out of Jail I wrote. I don't know if you remember that one. And uh, I don't know, just some, some of my newer songs. But I, I find that process where you're part of a group and you're getting feedback and hearing other people's work, uh, that's, that helps a lot. Can you think of a song or a passage from a song that really was improved as a result of this kind of a process? Hmm. That's a good one. I, I know that there was a song that I was writing um, 
called Was It Only a Dream? Um, and uh, it's a, I joke about that one. It's kind of a suicide waltz. And, uh, and I didn't know. It wasn't really coming from my own experience. I didn't know if it was an authentic uh, feeling song to other people who were listening to it. So I, I, I got feedback about that, um, you know, after just the first uh, verse. That said, they said, go on, go on, <laughs> write more. So I, I guess that was uh, encouraging, you know, um, a way to keep, keep writing. I'm changing the song. I've cut down songs. You know, people have said, oh, it's just going on a little bit too long. You've got to, you've got to. Mm. And, 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 you know, if you're in a group of songwriters and you're losing their attention because you have too many words, then you've got to take that seriously because <laughs> they're there to listen to you. <laughs> so I, I think that's often, often helpful. Yeah, neat. So when, you, um, when you're writing a song, you sit down to write it, what, what kinds of things do you do? Well, if, uh, if I have nothing, uh, if I'm going in uh, cold, uh, I haven't written anything in a while. I mean, sometimes stuff just comes to me. I'll be laying in bed and it comes to me and I've got to write it down, you know, and I've got to get a guitar so I, so I won't remember it. <laughs> but, but sometimes, you know, I, I will just, um, you know, I haven't written anything in a while. You know, it's, after a while it gets to be... Um, you need to do it. I, I need to do it. I need that release. I need to create something, you know, every so often because, it, I don't know, it's part of me now. Um, so, so if I've been dry for a while and, I, and I'm going in from scratch, I need to want to write something, uh, I will uh, go into a room, uh, one of my favorite rooms, uh, and I'll have a guitar and I will uh, commit to being in that room for a while. Um, and you know, not only one night, but you know, I'll commit to doing this for I don't know a week, three days, four days, just because it's not going to come, and you can't go in for ten minutes and say I, I'm going to get you know. You got to have some time. You got to make yourself available, or for me, I make myself available to it because I think it's there, and you you have to catch it. I don't. You know, so so you have to open yourself up in a certain way that um, that you can catch it, and um, and you, and that takes time. That takes a time commitment and an energy commitment. You can't you can't be on a phone. <laughs> you know, you can't. I can't have my phone there, um, but I might have my laptop there just in case I want to start. You know, get something really quick. I, I will write with paper and pen, but mm -hmm. um, but when I, if I get to the editing place, then then I will pull the laptop up. So it's time, and it's uh, trying to, uh, uh, dis you know, get rid of distractions, and then and then I'll just pick up the guitar and I'll play with it, and um, I'll just improvise, just play whatever comes out of my hands, something that's um, nothing, and I'll see, you know, if a riff comes or or, or a chord sequence that attracts me, and um, and then I'll go with that for a little while and uh, see if that seems fruitful. If not, I'll let go of that and go somewhere else. Um, and if it does seem fruitful, I'll stay with it. And if I get a line or two, you know, um, I'm happy. Um, because then I will go to bed and that line will be <laughs> gelling. Um, and, and, or I'll drive and I'll think about that line. You know, what can mm -hmm. the next line be? 
um, and then if I get a verse, well, <laughs> I'm very happy if I get a verse, and then and then I will, I, but but I won't rush it. You know, I'll try to mm-hmm. try to um, just let it. Um, what's the word when they they put something in sauce? They, they <laughs> I forget. I don't retrieve as well as I used to. But anyway, I'll. I'll it's not percolate, but it's uh, mm-hmm. um, you know it's. But then I'll keep. I'll try to keep going back to it because if 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 it if it doesn't come, I can't put away an idea for a few weeks and then come back to it because I'm not in the same place. So I will mm. have to. I will have to get, you know, some fragment of a song that uh, that I can hold on to to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so time, space, um, focus. So that's laying it down. Then there's the editing, correct? Yeah, well, that's the best part um, for me. Um, because Why is it the best part? Because <laughs> I love words and I love crafting songs. So ah. once you have a form, even if it's, you know, a form and an idea, um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can put, you know, um, scrambled eggs is a great, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, example of that with Paul. Paul McCartney, and mm-hmm. um, you know he he had the melody, and he knew it was wonderful. He didn't need the words yet, uh, but usually I'll have more words than scrambled eggs. But um, but if I have it, I'll say I have verse, chorus, verse, chorus. If I have a whole song, then it's just okay. Now I have you know so much time, three and a half minutes, four minutes, and I have uh, so many spaces and so many lines to say something, and. Um, and then how do I move it forward? So then there's the first verse, and you're saying something in the first verse. And then, you know, maybe there's a chorus, or maybe there's another verse. But each each place progresses from the last. So you're, you're moving forward, and, and um, playing with words is, I like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get a take of Sister Luann today. But, um, you know, that one... Um, those once I got that song into a you know a form, then I could just play with the words, and the words were just falling out of the sky and be, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know that that whole thing, and then you know words like I must confess, you know, that was just you know it was just uh, Inquisition, you know, you know it, was like, uh, it was just great fun to come up with those things and. I think I had pages with Sister Luann. I mean, I really had pages. Um, and then it was just narrowing it down. And I like that part. I just like that part. So um, so what, what, what advice would you have to uh, someone who wants to start songwriting or wants to improve their songwriting skills? Well, um, don't get discouraged by writing bad songs. Be prepared to write a lot of bad songs. Um, it just seems to be how it starts. And I, I read a lot of songwriters, too, so I, I don't think that's just me. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, and, and, you know, be willing to commit time to it because it takes a lot of time. It's not easy um, to listen to great songs and great songwriters and f- mm. figure out why they're great, you know, um, and or why you like the songs you like. Um, you know, it's, well, it's, it's, uh, Lyric, right, and melody, and rhythm, and cadence. That's another thing I like about editing. I, I really like the way syllables fit into. Um, 
I count my syllables. I, I really do. Um, and and one of my uh, one thing that irks me about some songwriters is they're just trying to cram things and they don't pay attention to cadence and that, that bothers me. Um, but anyway, um, uh, and if you can find a way to get feedback, whether it's uh, or to play play songs in front of people. Um, you know, that's, that's an important thing to do as a songwriter, too, because you're going to um, see how people react, and you're also going to feel uh, what it's like to sing those lines in front of people, which is another, you know, internal reaction that's just as important as those external reactions. Because um, I'll get up there, and I'll think I have a good song, and I'll, and I'll hit this line, and I'm like, oh, how can I say that, you know? That's not a good line, you know, and that one, I'll throw that out. Um, I think writers' groups, as, as I said, are, are really, if you can find one of those, that's really the best thing to do. Um, but just talk to other songwriters, too, um, about song and songwriting. So do the listening, and you said reading. You said you read Well, there songwriters. are lots of great books out there about songwriters talking about songwriting. Um, mm -hmm. Paul Zolo has a couple of books, uh, Songwriters on Songwriting, where he just interviews Paul Simon, Tom Petty, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, and I'll just keep those close by, just for you know, um, just reading a little bit at a time, um, and those are really just helpful. Um, hearing hearing the masters talk about their craft, um, I find them helpful. So. Can you imagine like being in a, a a songwriting mill and like going from nine to five and write? Tin Pan Alley, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, th I think that when you when something is, a, well, I can imagine. I would like to co-write. I've never really co-written very much with anybody. And I, when I, I do I, in that Paul Zola book, you know, uh, Carol King and Jerry Goffin, you know, talk about that, right? The nine to five, and they would have, you know. Who did they have next to them? I forget those, those guys. Barry Mann was next to them, and you know, and they would they would hear what each other was working on through the walls, and they would be stealing it. You know, they would be stealing. You know, anything was was game for the taking, and so yeah, that would that would be pretty. Paul Simon did that. Neil Diamond did that. Um, yeah, I, that would be kind of cool. I don't know how long I would last at it, and if I would get tired of it because it would then be my job. You know, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, sometimes that can happen. Yeah, I recall an interview with uh, Smokey Robinson where he said he'd, he'd written thousands of songs because that's what he did. He would, he would go in, write two a day, five days a week, and, and some of them were just pure genius. And he said some of them may or may not ever be a hit, you know, mm -hmm. they weren't that good. As you were saying, you, you don't write, you know, winners every time. But in the process of writing the, all of them, you improve and then you, you get them. A prize will come along. And you don't even always know when you have a good one. I, uh, Paul Simon thought 50 ways to leave your lover was just kind of a filler. <laughs> Such a great song. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, so, how... How would you describe your your success? Um, you've you've done some performing and con you've been in some contests and uh, songwriting and performing contests. Um, what what has that been like? Um, I I have um, 
Yeah, I mean, that, there are kind of moments that I've had that were affirming uh, that, you know, because it's one thing for your friends to like your songs, but you don't know if you can ever really trust them, you know. <laughs> and, and so when the songwriting community responds to one of your songs, that's, that's a, a big deal. And um, I've had that happen a few times. Um, I, did, I did have a song that appeared on the Fast Folk uh, mm -hmm. record, um, and that was pretty cool. That was very cool because, you know, that's what we all wanted. <laughs> I remember uh, talking with Richard Schindel, you know, I just, we just met, you know, he was like, are you trying to get a song on the record? And we were all trying to get songs on the record. I said, yeah, he said, well, what is Richard, Richard Meyer was the editor at the time, what did, did he say anything? I said, well, he, he kind of likes this one. He said, he, he said, he, you know, he said we should record this one, but, you know, that was like three months ago. I don't know if he's really serious. He goes, yeah, that's, that's what he did to me. Uh, well, I felt like I was in good company because even then Richard was writing amazing songs and he had that voice, you know, and he was such a good guitar player. So that was, um, but anyway, so I got, I got one on a Fast Folk record. Mm -hmm. And uh, in and, and, uh, early 2000, I, um, I uh, got to play at the Kerrville Folk Festival in their new folk competition and that was pretty cool because Every, I think everybody I knew wanted wanted to do that. Which I, it's hard to get in there. It's like there there would be six hundred applications, and he, he uh, it was oh, I forget the guy's name. Rod Kennedy, I think, was the only guy that would listen to the tapes, and he would pick them out, and he would send your tape back, uh, and you would know how far you got. You know, he because you, he he would send it back right where he shut it off. Oh, <laughs> so you, you could you could get a tape back there. You know, wasn't even didn't even make it to the chorus. And uh, but anyway, I got I got in, and that was pretty cool. And uh, and, then, and then you're playing in front of a big audience, so that was that was special. And then um, and then Paul Stuckey had a group that was uh, writing socially conscious songs, and they had a songwriting competition. And uh, I, I uh, was a finalist in a couple of those, and again, I got to go down to Kerrville, which is kind of the, I don't know if you've ever been to Kerrville, but it's kind of the folk writing festival, the songwriting festival. Uh, I've listened to some of the music, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's, a, there's a concert, every, it's an 18-day festival, and there are concerts every night, six hours of music every night, mm -hmm. and then, and that's not even the best music that's being made, it's the campfires, the, mm -hmm. the, the people are just, uh, you know, uh, wow, I heard so much good music, and of course felt so insecure and inferior to all those people. But <laughs> but when I got up on stage and I got to play a song in front of these people, it felt very cool. And mm -hmm. Paul Stuckey, you know, took me out to breakfast, and that felt very cool. And uh, oh, I don't know, I got to go to Kerrville, you know. Um, uh, so those those were highlights. I I, um, I had that Red Sox song that I played. I I have. Um, funny story. Okay, so um, as I said, I think in the introduction, I don't know, I might get edited out. That that loss was was. It seems silly now, but that but that loss hurt me. It hurt me. <laughs> it had been what eighty? Was it eighty six, eighty five years at that point? And um, uh, you know, I'd never seen the Red Sox in the World Series, or I'd never seen them win a World Series. So. And it looked right. like they were going, and then and then it collapsed. What was? Uh, yeah, they were in the '75 World Series. I, right. I watched yep. every pitch of that series, yep. all yep. seven games. Yep, and that was seven games, and they were in '67, and that one seven games yeah. too. Um, 
but this one, anyway, so I went down, I didn't know what to do, it was two in the morning, uh, and I, I just had to, I, so I went down, I, I picked up my guitar, and I just, and, the, and that song started as, Oh, <laughs> that's how it started, and I started doing that over chords, and and then, and then, oh Grady, what have you done? You know, it's just that's where it started, and so I, I wrote that song over the next two nights, I think, and I had a little digital workstation and I recorded it, and um, and I thought, you know, this is pretty good, so I brought it down to uh, the river which at that time was on Main Street. It was over in the Gilt Building, I think, you know, mm -hmm. that art building. And, and, and I w went in, and I spoke to this young woman uh, whose name was Rachel Maddow. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, I got this song I just wrote. You know, I want somebody to listen to it because I think it's good. And she said, well, we don't play novelty records. I said, it's about, it's about what just happened to the Red Sox. We don't, we don't play novelty records. I said, oh. Okay, I understand, but you, you should just listen to it. Just listen to it. And um, she did, and she gave it to Johnny Memphis. And I got a call later in the day that they were playing it on the river, and uh, that was very cool. Um, that, was, that was really neat. So, and then later, when Rachel became famous, of course, I, was, I she listened to my record. You, know? <laughs> so, you got some bragging rights there. Yeah. Huh? How do you feel about writing topical songs? I mean, like the, Mrs. Johnson's pretty hard-hitting song. Um, is that? Do you feel like you're conveying an important message, or uh, what, how does that feel to you? Um, I feel like it's very, very hard to do to write political music. Which is why I shy. One reason I shy away from it, um, because it often, you know, comes off preachy and us versus them, and you're telling people what to do. But, um, you know, and you've heard I have some songs like that. I think you, you know that. Uh, what's the President's Day song I have, um, which is fairly unkind to our former president. And, um, but uh, Mrs. Johnson, I felt like. That line, that first line just came to me. That was one of those, um, did you see Mrs. Johnson, did you see? And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what is that about? And, and uh, so I just, you know, and the next line, you know, a black man took a knee. Um, and I thought, well, this is maybe okay. This is, um, it felt like a, more of a, you know, all this stuff was going on, and it was just the beginning, it was 2017. Um, well, it wasn't really just the beginning, but it had been going on for a little sinking in, and everything was bad. Um, you know, the border and, and the shootings, and, and I mean, not that it's any better now, but, but that was, things were turning for the worst very rapidly, and, um, and I had this uh, cousin who was a Facebook friend, and she was, um, I would say, how, how can you, you know, you, this is, a, you're a good Catholic woman, how can you justify these things that are going on and, mm -hmm. and support this regime? And, and that's what that song was about, it's like, this, this is all happening out there, how, 
how can we be silent? How can, how can you tolerate it? How can you support it? And so, I don't know, it was kind of a personal song, and it, it just, um, but it was a political song too, and it felt like an okay way to sing about it. It was, I, uh, you know, at that point, things were just breaking through. I mean, um, there was no, it was hard to write without talking about that stuff, you know. Seems like a parallel between that and, and the Red Sox song. <laughs> it, was, it was in you, and you yeah. just had to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. Fun. Okay. That April 2020, how, how long did it take you to write that? That was another one that started in bed. Mm. I just, um, with the, I think it started with the Trump part, um, the baby man falls down again. Um, and, and it just came fast. I had to go write it down. Um, and I had, a, I had a melody in my head. I had that kind of energy that was not quite a talking blues, you know, but it's kind of that, you know, it was a subterranean homesick blues yeah. kind of. Uh, um, and and I, liked, I liked what was in my head, so I wrote it down. And then, I, then the part about my little sister came, and that was just, it came easy. Um, you know, but I think, again, that's something that was just on my mind again. It was very, it was the fear, it was the panic stage. It was April 2020, it was just, I had just uh, not gone back to work. I was on vacation in March of 2020 when um, when things started to, to come out. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife is very vulnerable. Uh, she has respiratory issues. And, uh, and, and I was talking to my friend who's a pharmacist and he said, he just, he scared the shit out of me. He said, don't go to work. <laughs> <laughs> and this was early, you know, and he's, yeah. he said, she's got respiratory issues. This is, this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, and there was like then people, you know, it was, you know, the people that were getting it were needed, needing vent ventilators. And, and so anyway, um, it was on my mind. Anyway, I didn't go back to work. Mm. I was, we shut down very quickly. We, we um, you know, we, we still had to go to the grocery store, I think, but, um, you know, other things. We, you can get anything online, and that's what we started doing. We, we were very scared at first, and uh, I don't know, that song was a little about the trying to add a humorous twist to that, I think. Um, we were living through something that I, I just thought, you know, once that came out, I said, i got to write this down. i got to get it. Um, so. Is there anything else that uh, you were thinking about uh, expounding on or reflecting on? Um, the, the thing I think that you, and you, you sent some questions and one of them was uh, why, do you, why do you do it? And I, I um, thought about that, why do I do it? Um, and I said a little bit about, you know, once you start to get into the habit, you kind of need to do it. If, you, if it's rewarding for you, you need to do it. But um, one of the, the, the benefits of this for me uh, that I didn't foresee um, was that I have these little snapshots through my life about where I was and who I was at certain times mm. and who I was with. I have songs about my father and my mother um, and my sisters and, uh, and, uh, and just different things that had the Red Sox, you know. And, and when I sing them, mm. uh, it brings me back and I like that, you know. Um, I like going back to those places, most of them. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a really nice benefit like home movies, huh? Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. Little movies, little stories. Okay. Anything else?
No, I can't think of anything else. Excellent. Okay. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you about this. It's been very special. I, I love talking about this stuff, and you have some, some great insights and experiences to, to share with our audience and with me, and I appreciate that, uh, not to mention the great music. Well, thanks. I love talking about songwriting. I don't get to do it enough. You know, mm -hmm. Not a lot of people I talk to about songwriting. Who has time? watching our show. I'd like to acknowledge the support of the Western Mass Songwriters Collaborative promoting the original music scene in Western Massachusetts. If you want to learn more about the Collaborative, go to their Facebook page. Thanks for watching. I'm Dr. Dan. I hope you'll tune in again for the show that puts a spotlight on songwriters.